the crime you see now, it's hard to even take its measure. It's not that I'm afraid of it. I always knew you had to be willing to die to even do this job. But I don't want to push my chips forward and go out and meet something I don't understand. A man would have to put his soul at hazard. He'd have to say, okay, I'll be part of this world. This is Harrison Crown, and you are listening to the Lucid Pictures Podcast. All right, hello and welcome back. We are in season four of the Lucid Pictures podcast. Now, it has been quite some time since I've done an episode. Um, Had, you know, all the COVID stuff going on and then had a newborn baby boy, uh, Maxton River Crown, and he is just the best kid in the world. If you think you have a cool kid, you are wrong. My kid is cooler than your kid. So that is sort of why I haven't been able to get any of these episodes going. So I decided to restart the podcast again, um, start up season four, and I had my inaugural guest back on. We'll get to that in a second. But the movie that I decided to choose for this episode, I had to choose a good one. I had to choose a movie that was really gonna, you know, bring the audience in and at least get people to listen um, because they have seen it before. And most people have seen this movie. My guest had not seen this movie, which is kind of the point of this show is one of us will not have seen the movie generally, um, if not both. And this movie is a American neo-Western crime thriller. Uh, The movie was made in 2007 and written and directed by Joel and Ethan Coen based on Cormac McCarthy's 2005 novel of the same name starring Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, and Josh Brolin following a Texas welder and Vietnam War veteran in a desert landscape in 1980s West Texas the movie that we will be talking about today, No Country for Old Men. So No Country for Old Men is really just an unbelievable movie. The Coen brothers, I mean, the Coen brothers, you can't go wrong with the Coen brothers. Um, I think that maybe, maybe aside from the lady killers, I'm still not sold on the lady killers, but that's for a different uh, day. And I mean, they really crushed it with this. They, this is one of those situations where the movie may be better than the book. I've never read the book personally. I know some people who have read it, but people who I know who have read the book and seen the movie have said that the movie is better. And this movie was nominated for, I think, seven Oscars and it won four, including best Adapted Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor for Javier Bardem, Best Director for the Coen Brothers, and the big one, Best Picture. So I had Will Hurd, he was the first guest on this podcast. We did El Camino back when people were still seeing one another. Uh, COVID was not a thing yet. And so we did it in person. I had to do this uh, remotely 
because that's sort of the way that things are going right now is, is we're with a newborn baby at home. You're just not going out and risking getting COVID. Uh, so we watched the movie at the same time. We started the movie at the same time. And then we FaceTimed and had a little bit of a conversation. So we are going to have Will Hurd. And here we go. All right, so I am here with uh, Will Hurd, who, Will, you were the inaugural guest on this podcast. The I was. Episode, a long, long time ago. <laughs> episode one, when the world was normal. Um, I think we watched the movie together, believe it or not. I know. It was back in the day when people could hang out and, and all of that. So before we kind of get into everything, how... Uh, how have you been handling the pandemic? Because you you had COVID. <laughs> I had COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so I was. I mean, aside from, I mean, I guess that's included. But how how has everything been going? I love how you you said how have you been handling the pandemic? You got COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> that's how I've been handling it. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I was good for a while. I mean, um, it was. Like everyone, I mean, it's it's, it's a total adjustment, and uh, and I think you know at some point in the pandemic, everyone gets a little bit of fatigue, right? They're like, all right, well, maybe I'll go stay, I'll go hang out with this person, or you know, maybe I'll go out to uh, you know grab some food here, or in my case, maybe I'll fly to Florida and play golf for five days <laughs> with my college buddies. Um, so that's that's all you need to know about how I got the the Rona. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, well, I guess we're in a new year now, so, and and this year, not off to a great start. No! Uh, no. <laughs> so, maybe we're. So, uh, maybe we're just in for it for the foreseeable future, but yeah, 2020, it, I, I mean, I had a kid, so that was a good, a big win for 2020. Yeah, yeah, um, you handled it better maybe than I did. Yeah, haven't gotten COVID yet, knock on wood. But uh, yeah. had a kid that was pretty much 2020 for me. Had had a kid yeah. and and stayed in my house. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was. It's been it's been quite. Uh, it's been difficult to do these podcasts because it's so funny. People have more time than ever to do something like this, but yet I haven't been able to like find guests. And so I decided to kick off season four we're in and I just reached out to a bunch of people. Uh, I'm having you on the podcast, having a couple other friends, having some filmmakers on the podcast, having uh, my mother-in-law on the podcast at some point soon. And yeah, we're just going to get this thing up and running again. And I figured what better why I love having you on the podcast. I mean, the first movie we did was El Camino and it had just come out, but one of the reasons I really wanted you on the podcast for this particular episode is because you have not seen any great movies ever. (laughs) (laughs) Not one, not one good movie. So we, I, I picked, I mean, 
in my opinion, such a good movie. This movie is so fun and I, I love it. I, I can't wait to see where we go with this conversation. But um, No Country for Old Men. It's uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen. They made this movie. Um, and this was kind of the year. I always say this was like the year that the Oscars sort of died. Because this was this was the year that it went up against There Will Be Blood, which is the Paul Thomas Anderson movie about the oil. And my son, yes, <laughs> my baby boy, yes, that that exact movie. And that clip, I haven't seen that movie. Before, okay, so. well, you should see that movie. I've done it. I did that uh, an episode of that on the podcast. Um, one of my yeah. favorite movies. And these two were going head to head. They were, you know, going back and forth, winning. You know, Javier Bardem won uh, Best Supporting Actor for this movie. Daniel Day-Lewis won Best Actor for that movie. They were both like that one, you know, there was Best Original or Best Adapted Screenplay. They're both uh, adapted from books. And then No Country for Old Men beat out There Will Be Blood for Best Picture that year. And what took home the, you know, the big, big event. And... One uh, cool little story about this is they were both shot within like five miles of one another. And I was going to say they look very similar. Yeah, so they were shot really close to one another. And there was one day where they there's there's a big scene in There Will Be Blood where like an oil rig just like catches flame. And it's like just giant fire, like burning, you know, an oil rig just like on fire. Yeah. And they had to stop shooting uh, No Country for Old Men because the smoke was getting in all the shots. <laughs> so it's like one of the cool stories about like those two movies that have nothing to do with one another, but they're just like forever entwined in. Yeah, per- perhaps a happy little accident from the opposing uh, film crew. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's kind of get into it. You know, you know the the how it goes. So zero to ten. Zero worst movie of all time, 10 best movie ever made. Where do you stand with this one? Okay, so um, I would say an hour and 15 minutes into the movie, it was probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Uh, I'd say 9.8 to 9.7. Then I have this problem with movies sometimes and with books where like, I will space out for one minute and it happens to be the most important minute of the movie <laughs> or the book. When did the main character die? Yeah. Did you miss, you missed that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Was it when they went to the, the motel? So the mom, so the mom gave that Mexican guy, she, he was like, Oh, I know El Paso. Where are you staying? Right. And then she tells him where they're staying and then the Mexicans go and they kill him, which I think okay. is a really cool part of this movie is that they kill off the main character with still a good chunk of movie left. Yeah. Did they show the main character? Yeah. He was just dead, dead on the ground. Yeah. He was just dead on the ground. Okay. Cause that's, I, I saw him on the ground and I was like, well, maybe that's like a family member or something. It, it it wasn't maybe the death I was okay with him dying, but it maybe wasn't the death that I was picturing. Yeah, for that. Yeah, you movie. don't see so, it. Yeah, you don't see it. So 
for me, that took a little bit of a dive because I, I felt like it was on this track where it was between him and Anton and the Mexican. And then the death to me kind of slid on in there. So I'd, I would take it down from my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. I would take it to about an 8.2. So you it dropped that much. Yeah. Well, so here's how I would liken it, too. So um, you, you're a Game of Thrones guy, right? Yeah. So the problem that a lot of people had and the problem I had with the end of that series is some of the main characters, the death, didn't seem to do the storyline justice. Mm. Um, and that's where I felt it felt short for me. Um, you know, perfect movie of all time for me is going to be, uh, you know, I, I it, in my opinion, the whole, the depth, the climax of the whole story is, is, um, I don't know. I, I felt the first half of the movie was super strong. Yeah. And then at that point I was like, shit, I feel like I just missed something. So and you so wanted to nothing. see him die. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to be maybe a little bit more of a, even an epic shootout where you yeah. see, you see the actual show, show them driving into the motel and a shoot off and then he gets shot. Then I'm happy. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a yeah. big dive from like a nine eight to an eight two. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that's a big dive well, for one. It, well, and then it follows with you know the rest of the movie with uh, with Anton. Um, you know, he obviously he goes to um, you know he basically kills the guy's family. Yeah. Um, and and then it kind of the end of the movie goes into uh, the cop Tommy Lee. Well, I don't know. I forget Tommy the name Jones. of the movie. Um, yeah, I think his name is like Ed Bell or something like that. Yeah, Sheriff. Yeah, Bell. and then so it, it kind of follows his story for the for the end of it, and and so it, I think for me maybe I had I built up these expectations of where I thought it was going, took the curveball, and at that point, um, I still thought it was an awesome movie. Eight point two, um, great movie, but not all timer for me. Nine's nine's the all timer. Nine and up. Yeah. So. I hate that rating, but like, (laughs) so here I, I had a similar experience with the movie, um, where the, I mean the first, yeah, hour and 15 minutes, this is flawless. Like it's a flawless movie uh, for the first like hour and 15 minutes or so. And then it's, it was, there was one little, it was a very small part, but when, um, Woody Harrelson, when he's in the hospital yeah. and he's talking to Woody Harrelson, yeah. I was like, it's important to the storyline, what they're talking about. But I was just like, they could have presented it in a different way. My, like I was going, you know, I started at 10 and it's just like dipping and dipping and dipping. But then yeah. when they, I loved how they killed off Lou Ellen okay. because well, there you go. I, I think it's really a cool choice to not like give the audience what like to do something completely unexpected. You're thinking this movie's going to end out with a big shootout between Llewellyn and Shiger. And they don't give you that because the Mexicans just come in and kill him. And, and, and you don't see any of that. You just see like the kind of what's happening in the distance. And so I really like that. And then, the scene they do a lot of the they did a couple of those like you know uh tommy lee jones character is given like these kind of like long speeches and stuff like that which sometimes they play sometimes they don't and then 
that one scene with the dude uh, when he's like the old cup of coffee, I was just like, this is not necessary. Like I, I didn't find <laughs> that scene to be necessary. Um, right. I get that he's like, it's showing him kind of transitioning into his retirement and how bored he is <laughs> when he's retired, as we see in that last scene. Um, but then Anton going and like keeping his promise that he would kill his, you know, Llewellyn's family. Um, love that. And then like the car getting run into is just awesome. I was just like his bones sticking out, like the two kids there. I was just like, this is great. And, and I love the thing I love about this movie. And I've, I've kind of always felt this way about, you know, horror movies, um and you know movies with bad guys i like when the bad guy wins and comes out yep. alive or comes out on top and this movie did provide that so i'm going to yep. be in the nines for mine and yep. i sort of hover in like the 9 3 range yeah um we'll kind of yep. see where we get at the end of the end of the episode but i i it's that front end i can't make it dive from as much as you did where you're diving 1.6 points. <laughs> so, what, so what would you say for, um, well, you've been doing this longer than I have, so your scale may be a little bit more refined. I, I, I'm, I'm taking drastic jumps yeah, here. You're taking big jumps. Um, I will say this. I, I made a note when, so usually when I watch a movie, like, you know, it's, I'm flipping through whatever platform it is and, you know, maybe I'll read the, description or i'll mm. say you know oh, i recognize that movie and i'll watch it but rarely do i ever like look up who's in the movie okay. other than maybe you see like the main you know character or whatever uh you know the star actor and i love there's few things better than a great actor coming into a movie like an hour you know into it yeah and even like woody harrelson yeah when he when he came into that opening scene i was like let's go <laughs> you know um, cause I love Woody Harrelson, but yeah. I, I just love when, uh, when that happens in movies. Maybe it's just cause purely cause I don't look at the casting yeah. know, for who's in it, yeah. but I like being surprised like that. So, uh, Woody Harrelson, big fan of him, whatever role he's in, I love it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, that I just wanted to sneak that in there, but no, I agree. I love those kind of movies where it's a little bit of a crime thriller suspense. There's money, there's drugs involved, um, and you can clearly kind of tell the direction that it's going. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think at one point, you're maybe not totally sure who the main character is yeah. for most of the movie, which I like as well. Um, I was surprised to see it end with Tommy Lee Jones as like, this is, you know, the final scene, basically. Yeah. Um, but this movie... I mean, the way it starts off is it starts off with a bang. Like the, it, it oh, yeah. opens up uh, with like the quote or the kind of monologue thing that Tommy Lee Jones says. And then Shiger does that brutal choke out in the yep. uh, the police station. And then um, another thing that I the weapons in this movie, that is like the fucking best thing ever. The silenced shotgun, amazing, and and that that like cow 
I don't I, I was trying to describe it to Marlo earlier. I was like, you know, the guy with like the the cow plug thing. I don't know what those things are called, but that shoots out the little rod that he kills all the people with and he shoots the the door, you know, the like the locks on the doors to like open in. Like an oxygen tank or what? So what yeah, it, it was it was like, and Tommy Lee Jones talks about it at one point, and it's it's basically it's this device that shoots out a rod, so it'll kill a cow like very oh, right. quickly. Yeah, and they don't yeah. like you know put a bullet through the cow or get a bullet stuck in it, whatever. They just, it just mm-hmm. shoots out and in. So he was using that, which I think is just like super creative. And yep. so, yeah, I mean, the weapons in this movie are just so cool. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it takes you right into what I would imagine West Texas to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a place that I will for sure never drive through anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just avoid West Texas. I'm, I will never go there. Yeah. That's for sure. yeah. As long as Anton Chigurh is still walking free and roaming the lands. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's untouchable. I mean, he murdered at least 45 people in this movie yeah. and was never within like, I don't, well, I mean, I guess Tommy Lee Jones got close to him, but was never within like, you know, 15 miles of a, of a cop, which was amazing. Yeah. And, and that kind of was a cool aspect of this movie being, that so Shigur is like this assassin, like he's a professional, crazy badass, like, and Llewellyn is just like some dude. So it was realistic in the sense that like Llewellyn's like, I'm going to come after this guy. And like, he doesn't end up getting killed by Shigur, which is kind of like the curveball. But right. Llewellyn gets killed because he's not a pro. Like he's just just some dude who lives out in the middle of the desert. <laughs> yeah. So I have a quick question for you um, in clarifying this one piece. So when Shigur goes out to the desert with those two older guys, mm-hmm. when he, when he shoots both of them, what's his, how did he get tied into that? He, he was aware of the drug deal that was going down. So he was hired. Uh-huh. He was hired to find the money essentially. Yeah, they hired him because that's like what he does. He's he's sort of like a bounty hunter to some degree, like a bounty hunter who's clinically insane. But they hire him and that's why he goes back into that office later in the movie and he shoots the guy and he's like that you gave the Mexicans a like transmitter as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So they hired him and he's insane and like works for nobody. So he just starts killing everyone. Yeah, bold move to hire a psychopath serial killer and it then is, go out in the desert with him in the middle yeah, of the night. It's a bold move. <laughs> bold move. Um, um, but I, I also, he looks like a deranged John Hamm with like a bad bowl cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he kind of does. <laughs> I couldn't get that out of my mind. <laughs> you were just like, John Hamm, but Mexican <laughs> with a bowl cut. <laughs> Um, yeah. So just kind of going through, we, we, we talked about the beginning of the movie a little bit. Um, and then the, 
the scene that I kind of want to go into next is at the motel. And when he, you know, he gets the room and it's like this super long drawn out play of him putting like putting the uh, briefcase into the duct, pushing it all the way back, pushing it over getting another room going and, and getting like the poles, that line when he was like, I want to, he's like, I need tent poles. And the guy's like, you tell me what kind of tent you have. I can order you the poles. And he's like, all right, no, I want a tent. And then he's like, what kind of tent do you want? He's like the one with the most poles. And that was just a one, like the lines in this movie and the dialogue, it was, you know, it's based on a Cormac McCarthy novel and he's a great author, but Mm -hmm. just, the dialogue was just so witty. Yeah. And I really yeah, enjoyed it's that. Foreshadowing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and so, you, you know, you got this like long drawn out scene and then Shiger finds him, which also with that type of transmitter, how, like, how would you find someone you just drive around until randomly you hope that you're near them enough for the transmitter to go off? Like, yeah. Um, Del Rio must just be like a one road town. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, cause that was, that was a, a pretty lucky find. I was, I was trying to think of that. Um, you know, obviously he was looking at the bank statements, right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how he, how he found the, the place to go. So I, I thought that was, you know, pretty legit, but I was like, you know, yeah, once that thing started beeping, I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, this is convenient. Yeah. And um, so the, yeah, he finds him and goes, you know, the, the Mexicans are already there and that's when we, we get the first, uh, scene with that silenced shotgun, which again, just like the sound, the, oh my God, the sound mixing in this movie was so it good. It sounds like a, like a, it's yeah it kind of does it's like, <laughs> 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 um but speaking of sound what did you think of the soundtrack or score of the movie say, say that again so like the soundtrack and the score in the movie um ooh, that's a good question uh it's a trick question uh, just letting you know because there was no music there was no music Okay. I was like, like, it really either blended well or I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that that was one really interesting move that they made was they literally have no music or score or anything like that throughout the entire movie. I really like that because, you know, it it left a lot of things up to, uh, I I like when movies are like uncomfortably quiet at times. Um, and, and that definitely had that whether, you know, the hotel or the motel, um, both really awesome scenes. And you can kind of tell like when the music is building, you're kind of ready for something to go down. Yeah. Um, so I like I like that a lot. That's well, and yeah, the fun. music and a score like is supposed to kind of carry you through the movie. And also it's there to make sure you're not like super bored and it's not really awkward. And the fact that mm-hmm. the fact that you can have a movie where let's take the last, you know, 45 minutes out of it. You got a 9.8 or a 10 of a movie with nothing. And so it's the fact that they could keep you 
drawn in and like really at the edge of your seat drawn in like it, it you're like in it and it's really really good and there's yeah. nothing that's carrying you other than just like what you see i felt that, that exact thing i mean i i clicked the remote you know the, the first basically the first second i felt like i could take a deep breath and i was like an hour and 15 in yeah. i was like holy shit yeah. this is this is unreal. Like we were, we have 45 minutes more to go. And then, and then I kind of felt like, yeah, the last maybe 25, 30 minutes, um, you know, it, you, you kind of lose maybe the suspense factor a little yeah. bit, which, which I felt like I was on the edge of my seat really for the, the first half of that movie. But, um, but yeah, I mean, really, I could see why it won best picture. So, uh, there will be blood was second. Is that, is that what you're saying? They came in second that year? Well, there was no second place, but they essentially it was between those two that year. Gotcha. They don't go like, and the runner-up for best picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just not a thing. But yeah, I would imagine... I haven't watched the Oscars in at least 15 years. <laughs> I imagine that it would have come in second had they given a runner-up award. Yeah. Okay, maybe they should look into that. That, that could, yeah. you know, add a little uh, suspense, I think. Well, I think there's like 10 movies now that get nominated for Best Picture. So if they, yeah. it would take, you know, 45 minutes to rank them. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. in 10th place is... <laughs> maybe maybe cut out like John Legend's 45th performance at the Oscars and then like let's, let's rank each Best Picture. Yeah. Um, so that everyone can debate and get angry about it on Twitter. I think that would be a nice, a nice change. To yeah, the that would, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that you should reach out to the Academy okay. and pitch this idea. I've seen no good movies, but I have a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have, I am the worst person to be giving you any <laughs> ideas, but I have an idea. <laughs> um, and then, so when they're at the other hotel, when he moves to um, the the next hotel, um, yep. and they have that big shootout in the street, and that's kind of like that. That scene was just so badass. That that scene was so, so great, and just like when he shoots in the lock and it like hits him in the chest, and he jumps out the window. They're shooting each other in the street. They both get hit. Like both of yep. them get hit in that shootout. Which is really cool. Now, is that the last time they saw each other? That was the last time they physically saw each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They they talked on the phone when when. Um, and essentially, it was uh, the first time they physically saw each other. Right. So yeah, the only, I guess time. the only time in the movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. And then they talked on the phone when uh, Wellen was in the hospital. But uh, yeah, you just felt like they were going to cross paths again. Yeah. And I think that it was an interesting move where who knows how I, I, I like that it didn't, it wasn't super predictable where it was like, yeah. okay, this is going to end up with this big shootout. One of them is going to win, but like maybe they can do it in a creative way and this and that. Like, I like that they were just super unpredictable. They're like, no, we're just going to kill off Llewellyn in a random shootout yep. that you won't see. And it's the Mexicans. It's not even yep. sugar. Yeah. So I, I think that that element and it kind of reminds me of um, there's this movie Red State that um, who made it? Um, 
what's his name from Jane Silent Bob, uh, Kevin Smith, um, that he made. And it's like this movie about this cult and it's kind of like a Waco type situation. Um, and when he was writing it, he was like, I'm going to just keep trying to like trick myself when I'm writing this. He's like, so anytime I think I'm going in a direction, I'm going to shift and go a different yeah. direction and yeah. continue to do that. And then he, he presented this idea to like his producers and it ended with like, it starts off with like this big sermon and then it's like this shootout. And then all of a sudden, like he's like, and then all of a sudden, like these aliens come like from the sky and they like start killing everybody and all this different stuff. And yeah. the producers were like, no, that like makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one thing about this movie and the end of that movie is really good. And I definitely recommend seeing it. It's a really good movie. And the dialogue is unbelievable in that movie. But in this movie, they did. You were kept on your toes to some degree. I think the first hour and 15 minutes, it goes in a sequence where you're like, okay, like, I'm figuring out what's going on. I'm figuring out what's going on. Then there's mm -hmm. kind of the lull-ish period where it's more dialogue in the middle of the movie or, you know, from hour 15 to hour 30. And yep. that's where they're kind of doing some plot development and whatnot. And then yep. they throw things for a loop towards the end of the movie, like getting the, the car hitting him at the end of the movie. Like that comes out of nowhere. You are not expecting that. And if you say you're expecting that you were just so full of it, <laughs> you're like, I, I wonder if he's going to get hit by a car right now. Um, <laughs> he's driving pretty slow. I think he's going to get hit by a car. He's going to get deep. Like the part of the movie where the car comes. Um, so I, I like that they continue to do that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting move that, you know, obviously it's what happens in the book, but mm -hmm. Hats off to the author, to Cormac McCarthy for writing something where, you know, there are twists and turns and it does keep you interested. Yeah, I'm, I would be interested because the classic saying, you know, the book was better than the movie. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the movie is better be than the book. Okay. <laughs> On this one. Have you read the book? I have not. I know some people who have read it and the movie is just so good. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's a damn good movie. It's you know, so I would imagine either the book is awesome or that saying doesn't hold true. But well, Cormac um, McCarthy's books are awesome, but he yeah. also is known for making books that turn into better movies. Mm. So he just yeah. like creates these really cool stories that visually are really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, a big, big fan of it. I like doing these reactions like the second that we turn off the, yeah. the movie. You know, we, that's what we did for the first episode, but we had some, uh, <laughs> we, we drove back to my place, had some like technical. Oh my gosh. It took like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it wasn't like the freshest take. This is, this is about as fresh as you can get. Yeah. And, and that's the way it's meant to be is that just like, what's your first initial reaction? Then let's talk about it. And then let's see where you stand at the end of it. Um, yeah. and so as we kind of like continue through the movie, we get, you know, he, the, the, uh, mariachi band finding him in the road <laughs> is just the funniest thing ever. They're like singing to him while he's like passed out on the street. 
I was wondering if that's a thing that they do for like homeless people or they try to cheer them up by like, you know, aggressively playing guitar in their face at 5 a.m. I don't know. But, I was um, just like, he's just, uh, he's like, I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> They're just like singing. They're like, da, 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 da. like <laughs> I'm covered in blood. Yeah. So I think that was Come just on. like a funny little, uh, little, little bit there. Um, and then, yeah. then we get Woody Harrelson who comes right. in and, you know, talks to, um, Llewellyn and kind of, well, the thing is, so he promises Llewellyn, he's like, you give me the money, I'll keep you safe, but he couldn't even keep himself safe. So that wasn't like, that wasn't going to work out. Yeah, no, he, he, <laughs> he walked into that one about as, as poorly as you can. Yeah. Um, he's just like walking up the stairs and then sugar is like, let's go to your room. Like, <laughs> yep, let's, let's wrap this You're up dead. real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I'm going to kind of actually go back real quick, but yeah. with, um, with sugar, it was, I mean, every person he encountered killed besides the guy at the gas station yes. who with the coin flip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the woman who worked at the trailer park, um, you know, she was probably in like the leasing or whatever the, the yeah. main welcome center. Uh, and both times you were like, this guy's going to kill this person. And for whatever reason he didn't, not sure what your thoughts were on those particular two scenes, but I thought that was interesting why he didn't kill those people. The woman at the like leasing officer, wherever, um, I don't know why she didn't get killed. That one didn't <laughs> yeah. make sense to me because was, she, you kind of asked for it. the coin flip made sense. Yeah. He I won like the coin flip. So he's not going to kill him. And it's sort of like this. And it was a really tense scene. And, and I think that the two things that people really like remember from this movie that aren't like, you know, really digging deep into it are him calling people friendo and mm-hmm. the coin flip. And yeah. like what, you know, what's the most you've ever lost or won on a coin toss. And so that scene I think was just showed how crazy he is where he's like, I'm going to flip a coin. And if you get it right, I'm going to let you live. And if you don't, I'm just going to kill you. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because Woody kind of to take it back now to Woody Harrelson, he said when he was talking on the phone um, with Llewellyn, he was saying, you know, this guy is, he doesn't have, he's not a man of principle or honor, you know, he's, he's going to kill you regardless. Yeah. And I thought maybe he kind of, obviously he didn't know about the gas station scene, but they contradicted that scene where he kind of had some sort of principle with the coin. So he said the opposite of that. Actually, he said oh, he, he is a man of principle and he almost has like this sense of honor. <laughs> so there you it, go. Was the, it was the opposite in that, like, he's going to hold up on his promises. He's going to, like he had, you know, it doesn't matter about the money. It's about the principle. And I got you. Okay. I was yeah. confused because I thought he was, I thought Llewellyn said, well, maybe, you know, um, we can give him the money and he'll let us off the hook. And he was like, he's not, he's not like that. I, I probably got that mixed up. So. Yeah. Well, he's um, not, it's, it's because the principle is that like his sort of set of his code is, I mean, his code is essentially, if you see him, he's killing you. And that is like that scene with the accountant when he comes in and shoots the guy after he's like, you gave him the other transmitter. 
He's like, are you yeah. going to shoot me? He's like, well, that depends. Do you see yeah. me? <laughs> then the scene ends and I'm like, oh, well, he's dead. And yeah. so, and that's one thing that's great about this movie is that just like the kill count keeps going up and they don't need to show all of them because it's like, we know what's going to happen. Yeah. But that kind of gets yeah. back to that woman at the leasing office where I'm like, he comes in and he's like, like why wouldn't he kill her? I, I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense. There was no coin flip. There, there was no, he just there didn't was a kill per- her. There was a person that flushed the toilet. And I remember he looked at the toilet, looked at her, and then walked out. And I was like, well, he could just kill the person in the toilet. He's yeah. killing everyone else. Or maybe they took like a fat dump and it smelled really bad and he had to get out. That's really, I think, the only explanation that makes sense. Because, yeah, it makes no sense. It's like, oh, my gosh, someone flushed the toilet. Maybe they're more dangerous than me. Like, where? where <laughs> he's the most dangerous person ever. So right, right. why would he be scared or leave because of a flushed toilet? I, I don't know. It made no sense yeah. to me why she didn't go down. And yeah. that I, I, I don't they don't explain that. They just like let it happen. And it just makes no sense to me is really what it boils yeah. down to. But I do like that where there's a few instances where you're expecting the person to die and then they don't. And so then throughout the rest of the movie, you're like, well, okay, maybe maybe he isn't going to kill everyone. Yeah. I guess it would be kind of a cop out if he killed everyone. (laughs) Every single person person that he comes across, he just kills them. Which essentially he did other than four people in two of them being those kids at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Let the kids off. If he killed the kids at the end of the movie, that would have been the most epic thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, "Give me your shirt," and then he just shoots them both. (laughs) That would just be so aggressive, and I would have been like, ten out of ten. This is the greatest movie ever. That is like the the most pointless murder I've ever seen in a movie. not even dark just just like what the what the hell yeah just totally on? pointless like did you see me it's like yeah i see your bones sticking out of your, <laughs> your arm uh, but yeah and then we kind of get to that the end ish of the movie where there's you know the mom gives away Llewellyn's location and then Llewellyn gets killed off, which is something that apparently dropped your score one one point six points, which is a lot. That's is a that big a lot? drop. That's a big drop. Okay. Well, you got to okay. think like if ten is the greatest movie ever made, like an eight. So you said eight two, eight point two is not a bad movie. I think anything above like seven and a half is going to be like a really good movie. Probably anything 100%. above seven is going to be a really good movie because the 10 being the greatest movie ever made. Ever. Ever. Is, yeah. So yeah. you have you have a pretty wide range there. So if you have something in the sevens, in the eights is really a great movie. And then in the nines is like, you know, you're talking about people's, some people's favorite movies. Yeah, you're talking your all-time favorite. And you were at the top of the nines and then you yeah. drop to an 8.2, which is a respectable rating for a movie, but that's, you yeah. know, you're going from like, this is my favorite movie to like, this was a good movie. 
Yeah, no, no. It went from this is one of my favorite movies to this is a great movie. Okay. Like, like something that I would probably, um, I would like, I would show this movie to someone else, but like, if we're talking nines and up, like I'm watching that movie by myself, like when, like whenever, you know, like multiple times, um, you know, Django, I would say if we're talking like movies in that nine, five and up category, like Django Unchained. Okay. Uh, is a movie that I could watch by myself on repeat yeah. for the rest of the time. Okay. Very different types of movies. Django, I mean, Tarantino movies are a little more peppy. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think... Because the movie that I, I've given 110 on this show, and it was expected going in, which is the movie Magnolia, which is my favorite movie, I think is just the greatest movie ever made. And... I have, well... You know, take a wild guess. Have not seen it. Yes, you have not seen it. Um, yeah, I could have guessed that, but yeah. So that movie is one of. I mean, that movie is just so good, and I gave it a ten because, and and I, I hope that one day I have to bring that score down because mm. that means I've seen a, something that was even better. And this was made in nineteen ninety nine. Yes. Okay. I believe. I believe lost to Forrest Gump in the oh, Oscars. Um, that makes you sick to your stomach. It makes me pretty sick to my stomach, but yeah, I get it. Like Forrest Gump's a little more Oscar-y of a movie. Um, yeah, it, yeah, but so and 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 I think I I I've been pretty notoriously rating movies as. M- as high or higher than all of my guests. And it may be because the majority of these movies I'm picking and I really love the majority of the movies that I've done in this podcast. There are some, like I did 10 Cloverfield lane, which is like kind of a shit movie. And <laughs> I did that one. Cause I, I, I remember seeing it the first time and I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And then I watched it again and I was like, wow, this is just like the worst movie. Um, but they're the majority of the movies that pick on here. I, Cause I don't think anyone who's listening to it is going to be like, Oh, I want to hear. And, and maybe in the future I'll have some like kind of gag movies where like, maybe I'll do like mean girls on the podcast and like, yeah. like why not? That's not a bad movie by any means, but it's not like going to be greatest film ever made. Like I'm not going to put it in that category, but it's yeah. a fun movie to watch. And so I think the ratings it's, it, I, I like to try and get people into the nines. And I, when you talked about being at like a nine, eight, I was like, Oh fuck, I did it. Like I got someone in. And then you were like, and I'm going to give it an eight, two. I was like, <laughs> well, we had it for a moment. <laughs> and then we lost it completely. Is this the biggest discrepancy in score you've had with a guest or what's like the biggest? Well, no one has ever come in and been like this part of the movie. I give it this. And then the, movie as a whole i give it that um i've had uh some people move up and some people move a little down by the end of the podcast Mm -hmm. um but yeah never never has someone been like this was like like a near 10 and then I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give it like a pretty average score so <laughs> i'm like okay 
that's a, that's a little different than what is uh normally done on this podcast. Um, but yeah, we we kind of talked about it already. But there's the the coin toss at the end where she clearly she clearly killed Carla Jean. Like, yeah, we know that she he's like cleaning. He's he cleaning. Didn't. He's cleaning off his boots, like the bottom of his boots. Like he's got blood on the bottom of his boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's clear. That's clear as can be. Um, would have loved to know what, if she guessed the wrong coin or. I think if, she uh, probably just refused, and then he was like, "All right, you're gonna die." Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they leave that to your imagination for sure. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a creepy, he's a creepy guy. It, what, what other movies is he in? Cause he's so Javier Bardem is like, like a, no, he's like a, he's just like a drama actor. He does like really, he's like, he actually in the majority of the movies that he's in, he plays like the swooning, like sexy Hispanic man. So he's not like, this was a very different role for him, which was yeah. perfect. And he won best supporting actor for it. Yeah. So it's really cool that there were, it's like taking, I don't know. Who's like, a like, no, I don't know. Who's like a, well, like, a swooning, well, like, well, like, like McConaughey did rom-coms. Right. And then try to do like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like if be- McConaughey did like a badass serial killer role, right? Which he, I mean, uh, True Detective, he gets into that crazy kind of deranged space, which, yeah. um, and he did great know, in it, that. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's an all time series. Uh, Except for Woody season Harrelson. two was like the biggest piece of shit ever. Yeah, 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 pretty garbage. Season three, they picked it back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I know I like when, when the crossover is, but I thought he was perfect for that role. Yeah. And, um, so, all right. So he wants supporting actor was, are they saying who is the lead actor? So the lead actor would have been Josh Brolin. Okay. Which okay. I had actually, I don't think I had seen a movie with Josh Brolin until this movie came out. So I don't know if this was like kind of his movie that put him on the map kind of thing. Cause now, I mean, Josh Brolin's like big deal, but mm-hmm. I don't remember. Cause I remember he did this and then he did W he played Bush George W. Bush and oh. the movie W, which he actually was pretty awesome in. Um, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like now he's, he's in all these other movies and like Sicario and stuff like that, which, I mean, he's a great actor and, but this, yeah, this was like the first time I'd really seen him. Yeah. Um, at least in a leading role. And I thought he was awesome. Yeah. He was awesome. And then yeah. the kid, so not the kid who gives him his shirt, but the other kid, is like been in a ton of movies and shows that I've seen that really, yeah, I don't know like off the top of my head, which ones, but like, he's like becoming a big actor like now. And he's just like the kid at the end of the movie, this movie, which is, and he's like a young kid and it's kind of funny that he really knocked it out of the park, knocked it out of the park. He's like the supporting actor of the two kids. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even the one who gave him his shirt. 
his big break. Yeah, his big break was not giving Anton Chigurh his shirt. Yeah. Um, so as we get to the end of the podcast. I know we've been talking a lot about your shifty ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Were we able to bump it up a little bit? Um, wow. You're going to try to get some points out of me here. Um, I... I'm going to go down to a 6.3. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go down to a 4. <laughs> Oh god, no! I got I got to stick to a okay. movie that I would watch and recommend to someone who has never seen it, and I would watch it with them gladly. Um, and but you, I would you would never by, watch this by yourself. I would. Uh, if you were like, I'd maybe watch it. I'd maybe watch it one more time by okay. myself. If you were yeah. in, let's say you're at a hotel room, you're driving up to Vermont, you're in a hotel room and this movie's on, do you do you keep it on? I'm changing the channel very quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially if it's uh, a hotel scene. <laughs> and, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> and, and or I'm in West Texas for whatever reason driving to Vermont. Yeah, well, not- that's one route, I guess, you could take to <laughs> Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I um, um, probably not. No, alone in a hotel room. No. Okay, alone. <laughs> all right, alone in not. I guess yeah. If you this was on TV, <laughs> not necessarily alone in a hotel room, but if let's say you're flipping alone through the channels, in a gas station in Texas. you're yeah. <laughs> some bowl. You're you're alone with some guy with a bowl cut, and. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so all right. Yes, I would watch it. All right, sweet. Um, all right, so you're sticking with the A2. That's that's fine. It's your prerogative. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep mine at nine three. I still I this movie. I I like to watch this movie probably once a year. I I really love this movie a lot, and I I enjoy watching it. And I'm glad that I got to you know, do what you were talking about, like share it with someone who's never seen it and have them just like have one little part of the movie completely fuck their ratings up. So I really appreciate that you were able to do that. And I wanted to give the raw take and are you real quick? Are you a rotten tomatoes guy? Like you follow that as like, yeah, I, I, I like, I mean, I generally, I, so a rotten movie, I will almost always be bad. But a fresh movie is not always fresh, is kind of how yeah. I see it. But I because do they, think that it has to be fresh to be good, is sort of what it is. They gave this a, a 93%, so right on with your 9.3. There you so. go. Nailed it. Boom. I'm yeah. pretty much the Rotten Tomato. So <laughs> you're, you're the editor. <laughs> I'm the editor of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so... Uh, thanks for coming back on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I look forward to having you back on in person when maybe we'll be vaccinated or this will all be behind us or whatever is coming in the near future. Definitely stay safe. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Tell Max I say hello and I can't wait to chill with that little baby boy. Oh yeah. He's a crazy baby. It's a crazy baby. <laughs> <laughs> I got my red dress on tonight.
summertime sadness I just wanted you to know that baby you're the best Baby, you're the best. <laughs> 